For they still do all the things they want to do in Chinatown, and will continue to do so as long as the lotus crop across the sea holds out and the oriental fancy lightly turns to games of chance and smoked duck. The Oregonian, March 8, 1908. Welcome to this special edition of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked out history folks at ORHistory.com. We profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. This episode is the third in our four-part saga on Portland's historic Chinatown. The gambling, the girls, and the opium. This episode looks at the last two, the girls and the dope. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Rialto Pool Room Bar and Cafe. Historian and concubine, Doug Kank Crispin. When I'm in the mood for a cool beverage and a game of pool, I head down to the Rialto Pool Room and Cafe on the corner of 4th and Alder in downtown Portland. Portland's premier pool room also has eclectic drinks, happy hour deals, and a fantastic menu, including Portland's best Reuben. And with the new Jack London bar underneath the Rialto, live music, dancing, and even history presentations are in the mix. And you Oregon history geeks are going to love the old photographs displayed throughout the Rialto. So stop on in and enjoy a little Oregon history at the Rialto. Chinese laborers coming from far afield in the Pacific Northwest would often arrive in Portland with a few dollars in their pocket. After seeking a game of chance or a lottery excursion, the interests of these young, single men would often turn to women. As most of the wage seekers that came from China were men, there were very few Asian women available for dalliances. But luckily for the Chinese, there have always been prostitutes in the city of roses. And of course, being Portland, Oregon, most of these ladies of the night were white women. And this seemed to cause quite a rub with the puritanical Portlanders of the time. The fear of white slavery was a constant theme in the broadsheets of the era. Filthy yellow men corrupting and enslaving ivory white girls, pure as snow in their innocence. Innocent, aside from being prostitutes, of course. As one article proclaimed it, the revolting revelations of Chinese traffic in white girls showed that Portland was not free from the worst criminal element. As an example of this filthy corruption, let's take a look at the story of Yi Chao, a 40-something man affectionately described in the papers as a Chinese of the coolie type. Yi Chao was living at 87 5th Street North 
with an attractive 22-year-old woman named Clara Brown in a case that was described as an example of white slavery. The two were discovered in an operation conducted by city officials prosecuting Chinese who, quote, ruined white girls, end quote. Miss Brown told how she had met Yi Chao at a restaurant in Chinatown that she frequented for their delicious chop suey. She then visited Yi Chao's room several times before moving in with him. The reporter was in a conundrum as to why the attractive young lady would frequent Yi Chao's basement domicile. He was a common laborer and called, quote, of the very lowest type of Chinese. Another arrest of a white girl in a notorious Chinese den at Third and Flanders caused quite a stir in 1906. The girl, May Smith, was identified as a comely and well-dressed girl of 20 years. The establishment was an opium den. When detectives broke down the door, there were two men in a stupor on bunks in the room, and Miss Smith was in the process of cooking an opium pill. To add insult to injury, the poor girl was described as residing in Vancouver, but this was probably for tax reasons. A particularly sad and disturbing case revolved around an apartment on 2nd Street in the Union Block. In this humble domicile, a mother was accused of, quote, degrading her own daughters by having Chinese men be entertained by the girl. She was also alleged to have sent her young girls to dens by arrangements of the Chinese. Truly sordid details that the morning Oregonian spared no ink upon. Indeed, Portland's white community was fascinated by the dark doings in Chinatown. A Chinese souvenir of the Lewis and Clark Centennial Exposition in Portland of 1905 stated, Secluded among the many passageways and most vigilantly guarded may be some opium dens and places of ill repute, but the fact that they are conducted in violation of the law makes it impossible for visitors to ascertain their location. Portland has an established and indeed deserved reputation as a destination for and a hotbed of heroin use. MSNBC recently produced a documentary on Portland which called the City of Roses the heroin capital of the West Coast. Street Roots, a fantastic local news rag devoted to homeless issues, ran a headline in 2009 that screamed, Return of the Dragon Heroin Takes Over Portland Streets. The drug has moved from the grimy streets of Old Town to the ivy-covered brownstones of sheltered and elite Reed College, where two students died from the drug in 2010. It is an epidemic, a horrible drug that makes soulless specters out of our fellow statesmen, and it, and the abuse of opiates as a whole, has deep historical roots to our community, which can be found well-documented in a survey of Chinatown. Though drug use is often portrayed as glamorous, 
It was a down-and-dirty ritual in the opium dens of Portland's Chinatown. Historian Doug Kank Crispin. Hitting the pipe was a period term used for smoking opium. The opium pipe, or the dream stick as it was often called, is constructed in such a way as to not burn the opium per se, but to vaporize the substance. A bowl, which looks a lot like a doorknob as opposed to an actual bowl, is attached to a long stem through a metal housing. The stem is usually made from bamboo. A needle is used to place a tiny ball of opium into the bowl. A lamp was used in the process, not as a light source, but as a heat source to vaporize the opium in the bowl. The vaporization happens at a very low temperature, so an oil lamp designed to place just the right amount of heat on a very small surface area was designed. A bunk or a straw mat was often utilized as the effects of the narcotics brought on a state labeled as, quote, opium dreams. Trance-like, nearly hallucinatory visions that resulted during a relaxing, reclining, euphoric state. A wonderful collection of opium paraphernalia and period photographs can be found at www.opiummuseum.com and we encourage you to immerse yourself in the subject at that site. In traditional Chinese lore, opium was often attributed with increasing the sexual abilities and prowesses of the smokers. One source claimed that the drug would allow the user to arrest seminal emission. The association of opium with sex is quite old in the Chinese history and culture, and this union and mystique carried over the Pacific Ocean to Chinatown in Portland, Oregon. Visiting a lair unannounced, a legal team in 1912 witnessed an opium den in use and noticed that the air was thick and redolent with the fumes of opium, where uncaught smokers had been just previously enjoying drafts from long bamboo pipes loaded with burning extract of poppy blossoms. Remember Reverend Daniel Bryant from the East Side Baptist Church? He was featured in our last Chinatown episode. He described a 1922 visit to a gambling operation. He also saw the chambers where smokers escaped to pursue their opium dreams. He said that we visited an opium den. There lay an old man on the smoker's bed. He was 73 years old and had smoked opium for 50 years. His pipe was inverted over the burning lamp and dark fumes of opium smoke were emitted from his mouth. Nothing helps to demonstrate the accomplishment of shutting down opium dens better than the spoils of a drug war, and plenty of prizes appear in period papers. One bust resulted in three jars of opium, five pipes, seven bowls, four lamps, and six cards of opium. Another yielded five-tail can of opium, a quantity of morphine, and a package of indecent pictures. Gotta get up, gotta get out, gotta get home before the morning comes. What if I'm late, got a big day, gotta get home before the sun comes up. Up and away, got a big day, sorry, can't.
Previously, some of the white upper crust of Portland seemed to take great joy in experiencing the different ways of life in Chinatown and made it a proverbial adventure to visit periodically. Described as thronged by white visitors, Saturdays were often the preferred day of choice to visit the Quarter of the Secretive Oriental. Many persons visiting Chinatown are not attracted so much to the gay or social side of the Celestial's life as they are to opium smoking and gambling. Surprising as it may be, the large majority of the curiosity seekers delighting in visiting the opium dens and looking for gambling are women. Escorts of the sterner sex often rebel at the proposition to see em, smoke em and are only induced to accompany the excursion by coaxing, whatever the hell that means. Fighting this vice, or at least appearing to be fighting this vice, was a major endeavor to be accomplished by the city's bureaucracy. In our final episode of our Chinatown collection, we will take a look at those enforcement officers. Portland's finest. Thank you for listening, ass kickers, and be on the lookout for future podcasts by our crew. We hope that you agree that this special edition featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast on Chinatown, Gambling, Girls, and Opium, was brought to you by the Rialto Pool Room Bar and Cafe. It was written by Doug Kent Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available upon request. our website at orhistory.com where you can subscribe to the podcast through RSS and have it delivered directly to your device. Or follow us on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com And coming up on July 19th, 2011 at 730 Resident historian Doug Tank Crispin will be at the Jack London Bar underneath the Rialto at 529 Southwest 4th talking about Portland's historic Chinatown. Why don't you come down and join me? Just be warned, the only thing being smoked will be the pulled pork. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass.
Why don't you come down and join him? Word on the street is, he'll love you long time.